Welcome to Harvest Christian Fellowship and Wednesday Deep Dive. Uh, we always say it's better in the house, and it is, but uh, if you're watching online, you couldn't make it in the house tonight, and we appreciate you being here, and if you're watching this tomorrow night or the next night, we really, really appreciate you uh, uh, keeping up with our videos and uh, give us a like or a, a love, a thumbs up, and just let us know you're out there. We appreciate it. So let's, um, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 28 and Philippians 3. Matthew 28, Philippians 3. And I'll open us up with prayer. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this great night. Thank you for this wonderful church and the opportunity to teach here. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to teach this as you've given it to me. And uh, help us to understand and learn the word better tonight. In Jesus' name we all said, Amen, amen and Amen and Amen. Now we have been covering a series um, entitled, Finding Your Place in the Kingdom. Uh, 33 times the kingdom of heaven is spoken about in the Bible. And all of those times it was Jesus who gave it that title, the kingdom of heaven. And uh, here's why he had the authority, the right to name the kingdom. Look at uh, Matthew 28 and look at verse number 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying to the disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Everything was made by him. Everything was made for him. And all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Now watch this. Um, he didn't say, the Father has made me uh, master over a new religion. He said, he has made me king over a kingdom. And then Jesus commanded those of us who are his disciples to expand the kingdom. Verse number 19, he said, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now watch this. Uh, here is why, and, and again, this is finding your place in the kingdom. Uh, here's why we can never view Christianity as a religion. Our own Bible tells us that when a person's born again, they're transferred to the kingdom of heaven. Look at um, Philippians. And Philippians chapter 3, very familiar passage. Philippians 3 verse 20. Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a, sa a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power he has to subject all things to himself. So, um, we can't view Christianity as a religion. We have to view it as a kingdom. 
So um, turn to uh, John. We're going to uh, do a lot of Bible tonight. Look at John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. Here's a, uh, a biblical truth from, from right from Genesis. Man was originally created. Now, now watch this. Man was originally created to dwell on the earth, but in a separate kingdom than the rest of the earth. Okay, that's why, that's why fallen man, the Bible says we're born, we're first born into fear and into misery. And that's why fallen man is born into misery and the fear of death, because through Adam's fall, mankind is now first born outside of the kingdom that he was originally created to be put in, you see? Um, we saw last week, Lucifer led a rebellion and God separated the kingdom, his kingdom from the earth. And then after an unknown time, God performed the six-day recreation that we read about in Genesis 1. And God, uh, God created a garden kingdom within the reanimated earth. And then he made man to dwell in that kingdom and placed man in the kingdom. So mankind only operates at full blessed potential when he is spirit-filled and placed in the kingdom. That's why the enemy fights us so hard. That's why the enemy wants us to believe that we're in a religion trying to earn the blessings of God because we operate at our full potential when we're spirit-filled and we're placed inside of the kingdom. So to be born fallen means to be separated from the higher life of God or separated from the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus made a promise. He said, let me show you why I have come. Look at John chapter 10 and verse number 9. Jesus said this. He said, I am the door. Now watch. I want you to remember that statement. We're going to see that at the close of this. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Okay? So, he said, I've come to put, basically, to put you back into the kingdom. That life abundant that he's talking about is zoe paresis. Pastor has taught on that before here. A life that is higher than our natural life, it's a life within the kingdom. So here's what I said all that to say this. After salvation, we have to learn to live on the planet, but in the kingdom. That's where man's full potential was designed to be, was in the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Now watch this. Jesus began his ministry by saying, Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, repent just means to learn to think another way. Learn to think with a different mind in a different kingdom. Stop thinking the way that you've always thought. And, and here's why most people uh, feel that they're failing in their Christianity. How many here ever felt like they, they're failing in their Christian walk? And, and yeah, all, all the time. And, and here's the three main reasons why. Number one, most Christians think kingdom living is about their efforts in a religion. Two, most Christians aren't sure they're even in the kingdom. Um, a lot of Christians, you say, are, are, are you in the kingdom of, of God? Uh, are, are, are you going to be in? Well, I hope so. They're not even sure they are. And third, most Christians have no confidence that they won't be kicked out of the kingdom. I can remember being in a denomination we could we could be in the kingdom today and and possibly not tomorrow. It just depend on how how religious we was. So turn to the right and find Colossians chapter number one. Like I said, we're going we're going to do some scripture here tonight. Colossians one. Remember, we said last week Deuteronomy four, God's word is to become our wisdom and our understanding. Deuteronomy chapter 4. God says, And this shall be your wisdom, and this shall be your understanding. Now watch this. Why? Because God's Word shows us the framework, hi Pastor D, the framework that Jesus sowed into His kingdom. God reanimated the earth, he made a, a um, the Bible calls it the garden, the kingdom, within the earth. He made man, and he designed him to operate at 100% potential when he operated in the kingdom, in the garden. And Adam knew the whole framework of that. All he had to do was operate in the way of the Lord. And that's the same kingdom that we're transferred to by faith in Jesus Christ. So here's what God did, and here's how God did it. Listen to this, listen. Uh, Colossians 1, verse number 13. And, and we have such a, here's where religious thinking has defeated us. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And we have said, well, I could believe that if I was better. We wasn't better, so he did it. You, you see? Now watch. Uh, again, verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If we would believe that much of the Bible, how free would we be? Now watch, here, here's, here's the rest of the truth. Verse 15, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Now watch. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Now listen, listen. This is why trying to follow religious laws will never gain us the promises of God. The promises of the kingdom come by salvation, being led by the Holy Spirit, and living in the way of the kingdom. Okay? Um, wouldn't it be a, a terrible thing if, uh, let's say, we just went through Christmas. Christmas come up. We, uh, we gave everything we had to give them, the, our kids, the best gifts. And they immediately began to argue with us that they did not believe that these gifts were really theirs. Hmm? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be awful? And they would, they, we would go to them, continue. We would write it down in a book. I want you to read this book every day just to remind you that all this stuff is yours. Well, we don't believe that. We think you're a liar. We don't think you're worthy of, of believing. My human brain is so much bigger than yours, God, that I refuse to believe what I just read is true. Hmm? My goodness, my goodness. How much time have we wasted on that kind of thinking instead of believing what we just read and getting on with learning how to operate in the kingdom that we've been transferred to. Hmm? Go, uh, go to Revelation chapter number 5. Oh good, he's going to talk about prophecies of the last days. <laughs> Revelation chapter 5. See, we think Revelation is all about future events and, and boo and all that kind of stuff. I want to show you a truth that Revelation 5 tells us that has been in existence since God placed man in the garden. Okay? This is what God did when he placed man who, listen, God placed Adam in the garden, and Adam was perfect, 
because he had no sin in him whatsoever. Okay? And then God did what we're going to see here in Revelation chapter number 5. So what's the difference between Adam being able to be placed in the garden because he had no counts against him, we'll say, and us being placed in the garden because through Jesus we have no counts against us. Hmm? Well, you, you just hear religion scream when, when you talk about stuff like this. Now watch. This truth has existed since God put Adam in the garden. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 6. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain. Well, this, this isn't past or, or a future thing because the word tells us that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. You see? Now watch. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now we know, before anybody screams and writes us a letter, there is only one Holy Spirit. But this is the seven facets of the Holy Spirit that is sent out to man. Now watch this. Go to Exodus 25. Exodus 25. You ought to bring the Bible with you. Just saying. Watch this. Now I want to show you something. Finish this for me. Um, Lord, your word. What? Finish it. Your word. is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path, okay? All we got to do is say those two words and we know what we're talking about, all right? But watch, I want, I want to show you something here. I want to show you something. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When it was written, it was written only to a Jewish kingdom which was a kingdom that was separated from the rest of the world. Now watch. Psalm 119, 105 was not written to the whole world. It was written to God's kingdom people. Okay? So we need to understand what Psalm 119, 105 was saying to a kingdom and not to a religion. Now watch. Exodus 25, we're talking to the kingdom of God people, a separate kingdom from the rest of the world. Exodus 25, verse number 31, God says, then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shaft are to be made of hammered works its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides. Three branches of the lampstand from its one side. 
and three branches from the lampstand on the other side. Okay, now go down to verse 37. Then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps so as to shed light on the space in front of it. Now watch. The seven lamps of the lampstand is a, is a shadow of the seven-faceted Spirit of God sent out to the earth. Okay? Now, go to Leviticus chapter number 14. Leviticus 14. This isn't too much scripture for you, is it? Huh? You sure? Because if, if it is, I could just tell you a story. Huh? And we'll, we'll just study, okay? Leviticus 14. Now watch. So, in Revelation 5, verse 6, God's Word says that there are seven spirits, which is the Holy Spirit, the seven different facets of the Holy Spirit, is sent out into the earth, into all the earth, okay? Now, we see back here, God said, I want you to make a shadow of things that you will see in the future, and I want seven lamps on a lampstand to shed light in front of it, okay? Now watch. In Leviticus 14, the priests would sprinkle the leper that was to be cleansed seven times on two different occasions, okay? Right during the same, same ritual, but seven times at two separate events. Look at Leviticus 14, verse number 7. Now, he's, he's out there, and, and he's going to cleanse the leper. He shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the live bird go free in the open field. Okay? Now watch. Go down to verse number 14. The priest shall then take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. Now what we're seeing here is the right ear is your hearing, the tip of the thumb of the right hand, that represents your works, and the tip of the big toe on your right foot, that represents your walk, okay? Now watch. The priest shall also take some of the log of oil. Now, he took the blood, and he put it on the earlobe, he put it on the thumb, and he put it on the right big toe. He cleansed our hearing from the enemy. He cleansed our works. And he cleansed our walk. Now watch. Verse 15. The priest shall also take some of the log of oil and pour it into his left palm. And the priest shall then dip his right hand finger into the oil that is in his left palm. And with his finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. 
of the remaining oil which is in his palm, the priest shall put some of it on the right ear lobe of the one to be cleansed. He cleansed the ear by the blood, and now by the anointing you can hear the Holy Spirit. And on the thumb of the right hand, he cleansed your works, and he anointed your works with the Holy Spirit. And the big toe, he cleansed your walk, and he anointed your walk the blood with the blood of the guilt offering. Now, 18. While the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm, he shall put on the head of the one that is to be cleansed. That's the anointing of priesthood. Okay? Now, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter number 11. Isaiah chapter 11. So what does all of this have to do with the with the seven facets, the seven spirits of God that we saw in Revelation 5, 6 that is sent to the earth. Now watch. What, what does the number seven represent in the Bible? Huh? Completion. Perfect. All done. So, if the leper was sprinkled with the blood seven times, how clean was he? Well, I wish we could believe that. Huh? So then, if the perfectly clean leper, say he used to be a leper, but now he's not a leper, because he's perfectly clean. Then the priest would take the oil and sprinkle it seven times before God. The blood was for the cleansing. The oil was for the anointing. Okay? So how much more of the Holy Spirit would we need if we had seven applications of the oil. How much more? None. We would be perfectly anointed with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing that happened is the rest of the oil went on his head, which is a priestly anointing. He would say, go, now do your work. Okay? There are Seven facets of the Holy Spirit. Revelation 5, 6 calls it the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Okay? Um, how many would agree that Idra is a pretty smart woman? Okay. Can we trust her to count? You want to give it a shot? Okay. Nice and loud then. Now watch, watch what... Isaiah prophesied. He said, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Now, Jesse was David's father. Okay? He said, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. That would be David. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. So, the son of David. What did they call Jesus? The son of David. Okay? Now watch. And the Spirit of the Lord 
will rest on him. That happened uh, after John's baptism, and then the heavens opened. We saw that last week, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of heaven. Now watch. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom. You had one job, Idra. This is where you count. Okay. <laughs> a spirit of understanding, a spirit of counsel, a spirit of strength, a spirit of knowledge, a spirit that will cause you to fear the Lord, and a spirit that will cause you to delight in the fear of the Lord. Seven spirits of God sent out. Now watch this, watch. Here's what happens when somebody that was not born again, the Old Testament shows it as leprosy, is completely and totally 100% irrevocably cleansed by the blood and then is given perfectly without any holding back the Holy Spirit, okay? These seven attributes are now yours, okay? And these are the seven attributes that Jesus sowed into the framework of the kingdom of God, okay? And here's what he says to do. Here's how Jesus would operate. Verse number three, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. When we know that we know that we know, that we have been transferred into a different kingdom, we are not part of this world system. We are not under its authority. We are not under the, the God of this world system. But we have been transferred to the kingdom of God. And we have been given the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Now, before I get in trouble. Yes, you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost again. You can get baptized in the Holy Ghost again after that. You can get baptized in the Holy Ghost after that. Every time God needs you to do something amazing, He can give you another good shot of the Holy Spirit. But when you are saved, you are given the full measure of the Holy Spirit for His work. Now watch, watch. The light of the seven facets of the Holy Spirit is a lamp under our feet and a light to our path as we walk in this world system. Not making judgments by what our eyes see. Not making decisions by what our ears hear. But operating by the seven facets of the Holy Spirit within the framework of the kingdom that we have been transferred to. Somebody say amen. Now go, go to Exodus 25. Exodus 25. 
Exodus 25. So, everything we've seen so far leads us up to asking the question that I promised that we would answer by the end of this series, where is my place in the kingdom? Finding your place in the kingdom. Finding our place in the kingdom has to begin at the gate of God. What did Jesus say? He said, nobody enters into heaven but through me. The gate, you've got to go through the gate. So God laid out a design of the tabernacle for Moses. And he laid out in the Old Testament tabernacle the complete walk for the Christian for their life in the kingdom. And isn't it amazing, Bob, that there are seven stops and starts in the tabernacle to finish that, that journey. And, and you're going to see here that um, the, the first thing we see, you're just going to get a flood of people coming in. I want this, I want this, I want this. But beginning with the next step, which we'll, we'll look at next week, you're going to see a large segment of people say, ah, it's too much for me, I don't want to do that. So that group gets smaller. And then you move on to the next stage of your Christian walk. And more of those people is going to say, nah, I just, I, it's too much for me, I, I don't want to be, I'd rather just go to church maybe, I'll just do that, you see. And what starts as this, Jesus said there are a lot, a lot that start out. And then he said compared to, there's very few that finish that race. Now watch. Here's the first step to finding your place. Now watch, I want to make you a promise here. If you will find your place in the kingdom, I promise you, you're going to see miraculous things. You're going to see doors open that could not open. You're going to see miracles of the Holy Spirit. You're going to walk hand in hand with your Father God. You are going to be confident. You are going to know that you know that nobody can keep you out of the kingdom or stop you. I promise you that. Now watch this. First step to finding your place in the kingdom is the gateway of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some keys to understanding Scripture here. Um, in, in the Bible are elements, especially in the Old Testament, and they represent things of God. Gold always represents divinity. Silver represents redemption. Brass represents suffering. It's a compound metal. Jesus was a compound of being a savior by his righteousness and carrying our sin to the cross. 
Blue represents Jesus the Son. Purple represents royalty. Scarlet, the suffering Savior. Remember Rahab was, was saved by the scarlet thread. Fine linen represents the perfect man. Goat's hair represents the prophet of God. Ram skin dyed red. Ram is a leader. It was a ram that God put in the thicket in place of Isaac. Um, depending on your um, uh, translation, uh, it'll say porpoise skins or a sea cow, if you've got an NIV. And it probably means more the color uh, it was crimson dipped in blue to make a color, a crimson purple. And that represents the stain of sin. Acacia wood, if you've got uh, a King James. Um, and you know what? If you're trying to write all this down, if you need me to, tell me afterward and I'll, I'll bring you a list. But um, acacia wood in the King James, it's called shittim wood. And acacia wood... You can throw it into a swamp and a hundred years come back later, it won't decay. And that represents the body, wood represents the body of man. Acacia wood or shittim wood uh, represents the body of Jesus that did not decay in the earth. Oil is the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. Spices for anointing is worship and prayer. Precious stones, that's the church, we are living stones Cedar wood is the cross of uh, salvation. Um, you know, you uh, can cut down a cedar tree, but it's almost impossible to pull the roots up out of the ground. It won't come up. It just won't come up. And lastly, hyssop is a picture of faith. At the Passover, the blood was applied by hyssop. You always apply the blood in your life by hyssop, by faith. So the first step through the tabernacle is Jesus the gateway of God. Look at Exodus 25, um, and, and uh, hopefully you'll remember some of these things I just told you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Look what God says the tabernacle is going to be built out of. Gold and silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet, material of fine linen, goat hair, ram skin dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for fragrant incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to all that I'm going to show you as a pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furniture, just so you shall construct it. The whole tabernacle, including the fence, represents the, the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom of God. And um, the whole, the, the, the fence was uh, that the tabernacle was in, the holy place and the holy of holies inside the holy place it was 150 feet long and 75 feet wide and about seven and a half feet high and it was made of brilliant brilliant linen and and we can see that as you and keep in mind uh, they didn't put these under shade trees it was desert land 
and you would be walking along all this bright sunlight and, and sand and see off in the distance this white gleaming place that is just even in the daytime, it seems to be glowing up out of the sand. And that represents the purity of God. Can you imagine how bright that would be as you approach this in the, in the sunlight? And God is surrounded by his own purity. Inside the fence was the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Um, now, now, the fence, in the fence, if you circle, say if you come up to the side of this thing, um, you would circle it. And the only way in to this fence, there would be a gateway that God said, always face the east. And that is toward Jerusalem and toward the cross. God will always point you to the cross. Amen? Amen. Now watch. Um, here's what the gate was made up of. White linen, a perfect man. Blue, Jesus the Son. Purple, the royalty of the Son of God. And scarlet, the suffering Savior. So, in right at the end, in the midst of the 75 feet, was this gateway of all these colors that was the only place that there was color in there. And the gate was held in place by poles of acacia wood that shows the undecay of the Messiah. Let me tell you something about your salvation here. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain, I want you all to hear this, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Watch. Reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You can't lose this. You can't earn it and you can't lose it. It's a gift and he said I won't take it back. Amen? Now, first case usage. You've heard Pastor talk about first case usage. Um, <clears throat> when you don't understand something in the Bible, go back and back and back and back until you find the first place it's ever been used. And that is a picture of how it's going to be used all the rest of the way through the Bible. Um, did you uh, look, look at Exodus 12? Exodus 12, look what God said about the blood of the first Passover. Exodus 12, verse 12. 
For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Death would pass over the person when he saw the blood. That's why when when our bodies finally give up the spirit that's dwelling in them, us, we are this, that's who we are, a spirit man, and we're housed in a body. When our body gives up that spirit that, that is dwelling on the inside, let's call him the death angel. When he sees the blood, he will pass over us. Hmm. When Jesus went to trial and hung on the cross, most theologians say the blood was shed seven times as he went to the cross and gave his life. Do you know why the body of Jesus did not decay in the ground? When the death angel came, the Lamb of God was covered with the blood of the Lamb. Man. Like Pastor said, we are not afraid to die. We are not afraid to die. I've applied the blood to this old body so many times. Mm, I am not afraid to die. The poles was held in place. I'm going to come in for a land in here. The poles were held in place by ropes of goat hair. The prophecies, the, 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 the prophets spoke of Jesus. And the ropes were held in the ground by a brass nail, half in the ground and half out. And the cross was in the ground, and it was out of the ground. And the poles had a cap of brass on the bottom, which represents suffering. And a cap of silver at the top, which represents our redemption. Jewish historians, and I'm going to close with this. Jewish historians say that in the days of Jesus, that the gate of the tabernacle fence was referred to as the way or the truth. John 14.6, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
And no one comes to the Father but through me. We will never find our place in the kingdom until we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we belong to Jesus, that we can't do anything about it (laughs) except say thank you, and that we already have been transferred into the kingdom. Amen? We're going to pick it up right there next week. Pastor, you got anything? Okay. Let's stand up. Hmm. You see why I fell in love with the Old Testament. My goodness, it tells us so much. Tells us so much. Don't you feel good about being a kingdom citizen tonight? Thank you, Jesus. How could we not be thankful? Amen? My goodness. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for giving your life. And thank you that all we had to do was say, I believe. And you applied that blood to us. Thank you, Lord, that that was the day that we were transferred to the kingdom of heaven. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us and with us right now to show us how to operate in the framework of the kingdom. Lord, as we get closer to answering the question, what is my place in the kingdom? Lord God, grant us such a gift of faith in this that we will be unwavering in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And I just, I want to say, if you're watching this right now, if you're watching it tomorrow or the next day or a year from now, and you've never done that, you've never said to Jesus, I believe in you, I want to be in the kingdom. All you have to do right now is say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the blood. I believe what you did for me, and I believe you're alive right now. Grant me, Jesus, to be transferred to the kingdom of Almighty God and live forever in your presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And amen and amen. Thank you.